Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Joshua 5 verse 10. I'm excited about today. Is anybody else excited? How many people want their minds renewed? Just a few. Okay. As you read this passage, you see that three things are being regained that were lost in the Garden of Eden. Joshua is about to regain his sense of assignment. Everybody needs to know why they're here on the planet. God's got an assignment for your life. You're never too old to start your assignment. Unless you're dead. So you're never too old. So there's an assignment for our life. And so he rolled away the reproach of Egypt. What does that mean? In Egypt, they'd lost their sense of assignment and destiny. They were, instead of thinking like sons, they're now thinking like slaves. There is no assignment. They clock on and they clock off. That's what slaves do. It's a slave mentality. Let's just make it through another day. I've been there. I remember counting down the days to the end of the week, counting down the days until I got married. Because I had a job that I really just didn't like. I had no sense of assignment in that season. It's not a nice place to live in where you're waiting for Saturday to come and dreading when Monday. Has anyone ever felt like that? A sense of no assignment, no purpose for my life. And God wants every person to have abundance of life. So we wake up and we know what we're called to do and there's an excitement about it. Life's too short not to be happy. Are you hearing me? If you're in a job and you're not happy, ask God for a a change, a change. Don't leave your job straight away, but ask God, show me what my assignment is. Align me with my assignment. So he rolls away the reproach of Egypt. The second thing he does, there's a shift of provision. They go from manna to the abundance of the land. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 18, it says, When they gathered the manna, he who had gathered... Much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. That's a terrible place to live. No excess and no lack. That's called survival. That's a picture of many people in the church. They have no excess, but they just have enough. That's never God's plan. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven. It says, give us this day our... Exactly. But it's not our daily bread. It's tomorrow's bread. That's what the scripture teaches. And they translated it as daily because they couldn't figure out any other way to translate it. But if you look at the Greek, it is tomorrow's bread. In other words, God wants us to live in a supernatural supply of having more than enough. Not just enough for today, but an overflow. So tomorrow's bread came on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a place of overflow, of rest an overflow of having enough so you could rest without worrying about where the next dollar is coming from. How many people would like to live like that? So why does Andrew talk about money so much? Well, because I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus talked about money more than any other subject because he knows that unless we get the money thing right in our life, we'll never embrace our assignment and change the world. And we'll be a poor example of what it means to be a believer. And we will never, ever make the Jews jealous. And the Bible says in Romans that the Jews will be jealous 
And I tell you what, I, had a, I went to a, a meeting on Friday with a lot of kingdom investors and there was a, a Jewish man from Hebrew University who spoke and we have a lot to do to make the Jews jealous. <laughs> oh my, my. So assignment, provision. Joshua also had a, an amazing encounter with the Lord and, and the Lord redefined Joshua's understanding of who God was. And that's what God is doing right now in this generation. He's getting all his people equipped for their assignment. It's not just about me. My, my humble job is to empower you, to equip you for the work for the ministry. You are the real deal. It's all up to you. Did you hear that? Not up to me. My job is just to help you find your assignment. You're the real game players. You're the, one that will, you're the ones that will change this city. You will go out from this place today and have amazing inventions and ideas and encounters and build relationships and, and meet people who have influence. That's who you are. And my job is just to remind you of who you are. Yeah? So we're going to get our assignment nailed. We're going to come into amazing provision in the body of Christ. Do you know it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 14, that you will be blessed above all the peoples. Did you hear that? Amen. You, the church, will be blessed above all the nations, all the peoples. And so we're going to discover what it means to lock into this provision. And the third thing is that we're going to discover whole new faces who God is in this hour. So last week I talked to you about the prosperity success equation. And it's so important that we get this belief system right. Some of you may remember this. And to me it's a really important thing because I said to you last week, when it comes to provision, many people are locked in a manner mindset. It's a survival mindset. It's a barely get by mindset. So you've been in church for many years. And this equation is the same for any breakthrough, healing, Whatever it might be, it's the same process. And so I said here that you could give, and you can be a 7 out of 10. So not many Christians are a 7 out of 10, particularly in America. About 9% of Christians in America give. That's the latest study I just saw this week. So you might be a 7. You might have heard it's more blessed to give than it is receive. You're a tither. And it's a great thing because we make God the Lord of our life. Tithing... It gives God permission to pour out his blessing. We make him Lord over our life. And that's a great thing. I, my mother taught me to tithe. Uh, from a very young age, I've taught my kids to tithe. It's a natural thing. We don't struggle with it. It's just the first thing that we do. And it always has been. But this is what I observed in church as a little tacker, that there are lots of people in church that give and tithe, and they are broke, poor, lacking, Barely get by. I call them the manner mindset people. Not to their face, but in my mind. And I wonder, how can that be, Lord, that you know, we're applying the principles of giving, of sowing, and yet we're broke. The church is broke. We've uh, been so broke that we've taken to making cakes and selling them down the street. We've done all these crazy things because we haven't locked in to the provision that you have for us. You don't see too many Jews selling cakes just a thought. And so I figured that this was the way it was that in a manner mindset, most of those people that are broke have got a really poor mindset, a belief system that is broken. 
So no matter how much you give, even if that was a 10 and you're a 1, what's the maximum that you can be as a person out of 100? If, it's your, if you're a 7 giver, you can be a 7. If you're a 10 giver, and you give, and you give, and you give, and you give, and you give. And there's not many 10s, but you can meet those 10s, and they'll only ever be a 10. So if we're talking about a 100-fold, there's a limit to their blessing because they've got to barely get by manner mindset. And so when God pours in the blessing, it just flows straight out. They don't know how to invest. They don't know how to save. They have no concept about how. See, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8 that God gives us the ability to get wealth. He doesn't pour out money from the sky. He gives us the power, the ability to create wealth. That he may establish the covenant that he swore to our fathers as it is this day. So the same way he made Abraham blessed is the same way he makes you blessed. It's a covenant. And that covenant is, I will teach you how to be prosperous. And so that's the problem with a man of mindset. And I want to be more than seven out of 100 because there's the 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold return. So this is not a trick question. How many people would like to have 100-fold in their life? So that's a great thing. There's about 80%. So just say... I'm still that seven giver. I haven't increased my giving. I'm still generous. I still love people. still tithe. But if I find a way to change the way I think, my mindset, my belief system, and I increase that to a, a five, look what happens. Can you see the, yeah. the, the increase that automatically happens? I've not increased my giving, but I've changed the way that I think. For as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so they are, Proverbs says. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart, your belief system springs the boundaries of your life. The size of your life is determined by the belief system that you have. Are you getting this? It's so important. If you can get this... I guarantee you, in every area of your life, you will begin to see change. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you're young today, listen carefully because you get a chance not to make all the mistakes that we made. In fact, by the time you're 20, you can have more success and more money than most people have in their lifetime if you'll get these thoughts. All right, you've got 2 Kings 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, My servant, my husband is dead. She is a godly woman. Her husband is a godly man. He's now dead, but they've been good people. They've been to church, paid the tithes, said the pledge, going to heaven. I want you to see this. It says, My servant feared the Lord. Now, do you know you can fear the Lord and still be broke? Is this a shock to anybody? This to me, I think, oh my, he's a, he's a prophet. He's worked under the big kahuna prophet. He has the blessing, his children, his wife, they all go to church every week and he dies. And listen at the disaster and the creditors are coming to take my two sons to be slaves. That means her life is a basket cakes. Anointed, filled with the Spirit, 
going to church, a prophet, serving God, but she, has, she is in such a dire circumstance that they're going to come and take away her two sons to be slaves. I don't know about you, but that stirs my heart. I think this should not be happening. And Elisha says to her, oh, you, oh I feel so sorry. Let's take up an offering. You know, you've been a, you've been a really nice woman, and, and so I think it's only fair that we pass a hat around the, the church, and, and that would be the good thing to do. Would it not? Would that, that not be good? No, no, of course it wouldn't be good, because she'd be in the same position again in a week. So Elisha said, what do you want me to do for you? I'm here to help. I say this same as me. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to, to, to make fun of you. Elisha wants to get her out of her problem, not just for a day, but to change her life forever. He says, what can I do to help you? And that's what God's saying to you today. I want to help you. God takes no pleasure in your pain. I say to people, he uses the least amount of pain to get the greatest amount of pleasure. So if you feel like God's doing stuff, he's always working for your benefit. He loves you. So what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? It's a good question, isn't it? What's going on inside your brain, lady? When you look inside yourself, what are you seeing? You're in a mess now, so it's time for you to take stock and do some evaluation. Why are you in this mess? And do you know the tragedy is that most people never stop to think, why am I like I am? Why, why are things not working out for me? When I look at others and they seem to be blessed and happy, they, instead of looking within, in my house, they blame the government, they blame God, they blame their wives, their husbands, their dog, their cat, anyone they can find. It's some, he says, what's in your house? What's going on inside? What do you see as the answer to your problem? Look what she says. She says, your servant has nothing in her house but a jar of oil. Well, I thought, that's a good thing. What's oil represent? The Holy Ghost, the anointing of God. She is a spirit-filled believer. And the Bible says that the anointing remains in you. You can be broke, sick, miserable, but you have the Holy Ghost within you today if you are born again. The Spirit of God lives. The power plant, the answer to your problem, the multi- he, is, he is there. And, and Elijah's reminding her what you need is inside you. And I'm going to show you how to access that and bring a result. She says, there's nothing in my house but a jar of oil. And I thought about that. There's nothing in her life that can multiply the oil that's within her. That's what I said before. You can have the Holy Ghost within you. You can be giving, but if you haven't got a way of multiplying that, it can't get out to be a blessing. You can't trade with oil inside you. You've got to have a means of multiplying it. The vessels that she's about to get are a picture of a renewed mind and a belief system that works with the oil to bring multiplication. So the oil's there, the anointing, the favor of God is upon you today. But if you don't have vessels, you cannot multiply that favor and use it to trade with. Are you getting this? 
It'll remain in. You'll remain in debt. You'll lose your sons. And the oil was there, the favor, the blessing. See, the same favor on a blessed man or woman in the kingdom is that is on them is on you today. God has no favorites. The favor of God is on everybody. The moment you get born again, you are favored of God. Highly favored. Ephesians 1.3 tells us that we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So it's not a matter of favor. It's not a matter of blessing. It's not a matter of gifting. It's a matter of having vessels to multiply the favor in your life. And those vessels are called a belief system. And he said, go borrow vessels from everyone. Get them, gather, don't just get a few. So what he's saying, begin to expand the way you think. If I have a word from the Lord today, it is this. Think. God thoughts. Expand the way you think. Open your mind to something new. Get out of your comfort zone. If you've been bound, break free. Enlarge the way you think. Talk to people. Go to places. Read the word. Change the way that you think. Because if you don't, the creditors will come knocking on your door. And you'll go, oh, this oil's worthless. No, this oil had the potential to change your world. You just didn't know how to multiply it. You've got to learn how to work with the favor of God on your life. Did you hear that? You've got to learn to work with the favor of God on your life. All right. So you know the story. When all the vessels were filled up, the oil ceased. So that tells me that as long as you keep enlarging your mind in thinking the thoughts of God, the favor of God will keep increasing and flowing in your world. The only limit on the favor of God is the limit to the way you think. Doesn't Ephesians 3.20 say, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. That sounds like favor to me. Above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. So that tells me that my belief system, the way I think and talk, unlocks the favor of God and there is no limitation. And I believe that you can trade with your belief system for your inner world is the world that creates the currency. And that's why you can put a man or woman with a right belief system in any circumstance, any country, and they will succeed. Because what you trade with is not outside things, but the belief system that you carry. And she was able to pay all her debts and live off the rest for the rest of her life. He changed her whole world and her son's world in one go because she changed the way she thought. So I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Is this, is this causing you to think Mark 4, 26? This is the way you build a belief system. Because that's the next question. How do I build a belief system? And I'm going to show you how you build a belief system. Mark 4, 26, he said the kingdom of God is, is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground and he would sleep by night and rise by day and the seed would sprout and it grows and he himself doesn't know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain of the head. 
But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So we have five things. The farmer, the word or the seed, the ground, which is our heart. We have the tree that grows out of the ground, which is our belief system. And then we have a harvest of results. So let's say it again. We have a farmer, that's you. You're the farmer. We have seeds, which is the word of God. We have soil or ground, which is our heart. And out of our heart, we have a tree, a vine, a plant, which is our belief system that grows. And once it grows, it produces a harvest in our world. So firstly, you are the farmer. This is a problem. Because we thought God was going to do it for us. We thought when we get born again that we'd come out the front, we'd get a couple of tickles, a hand on the head, and you know, somebody prophesy over us, and all of a sudden our brains would change, we'd go away totally renewed, and we'd just be the most amazing people. Now that happened to me, but it probably won't happen to you. <laughs> no, no, see, I found that it's simple to get born again into the, king, into the, the kingdom. The entry into the kingdoms by faith, we ask. But the process of being changed is one that takes time and our involvement and partnership. We can't do it on our own. We can't change ourselves. But it is a partnership with God where we have to position ourselves to be transformed. So we are the farmer. And managing your mind is the primary thing that you do. It will increase the value on your life. It will multiply your success and it will upgrade your standing. If you would manage your mind, it will increase the value of your life. Did you get that? So we put those numbers. Manage your mind, teach your mind, train your mind, and it increases the value. If you're in a workplace and people don't recognize you, manage your mind. Begin to think new thoughts. Train yourself. Educate yourself. And I tell you what, you won't be able to not succeed. Don't say, well, God, you know, it's your job to take me to the next level because God says, no, it's your job. We are transformed from glory to glory as we behold an image. You have to behold. You have to look. You have to read. You have to engage with God. And as you position yourself, yes, the Bible says it's a work of the Spirit, but it's something that you have to engage. You have to initiate. You are the farmer. The farmer is the one that sows the seeds. We don't say, God, here's my field. Uh, it'd be nice if you sowed some seeds. God says, no. The word is not a bunch of rules. It's a bag of seed. And you've been given the seeds. You sow the seed. And I will come and do what I can do. You go to sleep and you won't know how it grows. Uh, as you sow in your heart, there will, there will be a belief system that I will come by my spirit because those seeds are supernatural seeds. This Bible, it's not just a book. It is a bag of supernatural seeds that carry the very life of God within them. Yeah. And when you put them in your heart, I don't know how it happens, but something begins to change. Have you ever spent a week or a day meditating on the Word and, and, just, and, and, and just getting something changes within you? Yeah. Romans 12, Dean mentioned this, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you would prove, and we read the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. It's the 30, 60, 100 fold. I wish I had 
time to go into that more. And, and you know, we've talked about how that connects with the lampstand in, in the holy place. Because in the lampstand, which is a picture of the word of God, there's unlimited dimensions of what we can access. And there is, as we gaze on the word, there is 30, 60, 100 fold that takes place. So we set our minds. Romans 6, I think it is 6 verse 5, says that the mind set on the flesh will reap what? Death and corruption. But the mind that is set on the spirit will reap life. So I ask you, who sets your mind? You do. He will keep us in shalom, shalom, or perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Perfect peace, shalom, shalom. Think about it. That word literally means perfect prosperity. There's prosperity that brings toil, sweat, loss of family, misery, but there's prosperity that is shalom, shalom, peace, prosperity. It's prosperity and still being able to enjoy your life. See, there's lots of people who have made money because they've worked hard. There's only a testimony to how great they are. I want to make money because he's worked hard on my behalf. So we have the farmer, we have the seed. 1 Peter, so this is the second stage. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says that the word is incorruptible seed. I don't know if most Christians have got this, but there is nothing in the world that can stop this seed from harvesting, from producing. The word of God is incorruptible. If you get a promise and you put it inside you, it cannot die. It is incorruptible. No demon can take you down. There's a lot of focus on devils and demons and the enemy, but you put the word of God in your heart and no demon can touch that. It will transform the way that you live. The Greek word for transformation or transformed is morphu. And it literally means to create or change shapes or to take a higher form. And as we, do, as we put the word in, in our lives, we begin to change shape. Something, See, that poverty shape seems to go. And a new prosperity shape comes. Do you know it's a... It's a look that you feel, that you see about people. They start to change shape. They start dressing different, talking different, looking different, thinking different, making different decisions because they're being transformed. Sorry, I forgot God's not prosperous. Because I can feel right now a couple of people thinking this whole prosperity thing is not of God. Well, I reminded people last week that in heaven, the streets are made of gold. Well done. And not spray-painted gold either. This is the real deal. I know a lot of people have issues with money and prosperity, but God's never had an issue with it. His only thing is that don't let it get your heart. Let me get your heart. And I'm going to so bless you that you'll be a blessing to the nations. And those people that criticize Preachers like me for preaching on money and prosperity, those same people worry all week about how they're going to pay their bills. And because of that, they never give to the poor. They're not a blessing to anyone. They're selfish and self-centered. Psalm 119 verse 32 says, I will run in the ways of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. And so as the seed comes in, something begins to germinate and grow within us. 
If you're small in your thinking, get the word of God within you because as you run in the ways of his commands, he begins to enlarge the way we see life. Just start off like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're feeling like you can't do much, start with that. And I don't know how, but that seed of the Holy Ghost, when it puts, comes into your heart, will begin to change the way you think. It will get rid of shame and, and inabilities. And You know, I sometimes look at my own, you know, I have a, a misery day and I think about my IQ and my inabilities. And, you know, by the end of the day, I just want to go and retire and live in Tasmania. But then you begin to meditate on the word and something begins to shift. Faith arises. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He's got a storehouse in heaven that's mega big. He's not going to meet my needs according to my ability, but according to his ability. And when you've got a lot of ability, you, you, it's an overflowing response to man's need. Man was covered in sin, so God sends Jesus. I call that an over-response to our need, don't you? Everything that God does is over the top. So we have the farmer, the seed, and the field. So we put the seed in, and once we put the seed in, then we begin to, allow, to, to nurture the seed that's in the field. Ephesians 4.23 says that we are renewed in the spirit of our mind. We begin to meditate on that seed. So we get the seed, we put it in, and we begin to feed on the seed. And, and we do that two ways, particularly through meditation and through speaking the word. Genesis 24.63 says that Isaac was meditating in the field. Interesting, isn't it? And as he meditated in the field, he looked up and he saw camels coming with his wife to be. Camels are a picture of provision in the Bible. So this is what meditation does. It opens our eyes to see what God's doing. Joshua 1 verse 8, you know this passage. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate in it. Day and night. So, see, here's the deal. It's not enough just to come to church and listen to a sermon. That ain't going to cut it. This is just like a, like a, you know, a boost, a boost juice. But it ain't enough to get you through. This book, you're going to meditate on day and night. That doesn't mean that you don't do anything else. But it's, it is a predisposition in your world to think on the things of God whenever you get that moment. He says, you'll meditate a day and night that you may observe to do, that you would see what you need to do. See, that's what meditation does. It causes us to see in the spirit. There's something fascinating about meditation in the word. It gives you a language of heaven. And this is what I've discovered. Many Christians don't understand the language of heaven. And the more that you meditate on the word, the, I don't know, it, it is a spiritual transaction, but you begin to perceive the way that God speaks because he doesn't speak all the time in what we would call natural ways. So there are, there, are, there are the things of the spirit 
that, that God is beginning to do in you that's not only changing your belief system, but causing you to see the harvest that is about to come. So he speaks to us in many different ways. And so as we read the word and meditate on it, we are developing a language of heaven. And this is what Joseph got when the, when the coat of many colors came upon him. It was a picture of a renewed mind, of that, that he was a man that meditated, that, that had the things of the kingdom in his mind, and it caused him to see what others couldn't see. So we meditate on, as this seed is put in, in our heart, we meditate on it. Meditation is not just going over words, but it's a spiritual transaction. That as we think on the words, and we go over and over and over again in our mind, and that's how I, that's how I come up with every sermon. I'm looking at a scripture and meditating on it, and all of a sudden things become alive, and I begin to see what I've never seen before. So we meditate and we speak. And as we do this, something begins to happen. This seed that is in us that we can't see. And that's the problem. A lot of people just give up. Well, I put the seed in and nothing's changed. Same bills, same mindset, same problems. And so they quit. How silly. We've got a garden out there. And we put seeds. And we don't dig them up every day because we haven't seen any change. We know if all the laws of the kingdom are applied, the right seed, the right soil, sun, sun Lord, water, we know it's only a matter of time and something's going to pop up. So we meditate and we speak. We declare the word. Job 22, 28 says, we will decree a thing and it shall be established. So we use that word that we've been reading and meditating. God, you said... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I don't know how again, but something begins to change within me. A belief system begins to appear. So we're pulling down wrong strongholds and establishing right strongholds. I'm amazed at how many Christians give voice to the enemy and his power in their life and his spirits and his demons rather than giving voice to the fact that I have a jar of oil within me called the Holy Ghost. And every time I come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven in my thinking, it's like bringing another jar and the oil begins to pour and there's increase and multiplication in my life. I believe that. So I begin to declare it over my life, over my family, over my finances, over my health. Listen to this. It gets better. Proverbs 25, 11. It says, a word fitly spoken, say fitly, fitly. is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Work that one out. A word that is fitly spoken. That word fitly has two, is a compound word, has two meanings. The first meaning of fitly is the context of wheels, like the same uh, where you read about a wheel within a wheel with Ezekiel. It has the connotation of momentum. So when we speak, it's creating spiritual momentum in our life, like apples of gold in settings of silver. Well, that. I'm not exactly sure what that all means, but I do like the term gold and silver. And I know it's good. And I know it's talking about provision. And the second part of fitly is momentum and timing. So you know when you hit a ball, you're playing cricket, those two things come into play, momentum and timing. 
So it creates the power of momentum in my life, but it also releases timing, the timings of God. It begins to speed up the work that God is doing in my life. It gets me in the right timing, in the right place at the right time. As we speak, things are beginning to take place. It's releasing, uh, it's building the belief system and releasing the kingdom out of our lives. My friends, meditation and decreeing the word of the Lord are the things that begin to cultivate that seed in your field. Romans 12 verse 2 says, you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to do it. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't do that, you can give, you can pray, you can do all those things, but you need to understand that that may cause the oil in the jar to bubble inside you, but it won't bring any more vessels. And the only way to build up credit that you can pay the bills in your life, whatever that bill looks like, health, whatever it is, is to gather more vessels, is to change the way that you think. So we speak. Let me tell you that as we speak, the language of the kingdom has no time. If you talk in time, you put off the promises. If you talk in faith, you access the promises. The law of faith says that you have to believe that when you speak, that you have the things that you say. So when they went into the promised land, God had said, all these seven nations mightier than you, I, I have already given them to you. So go and possess them. We possess what we already have. So in other words, as we decree that, the Bible says in Joel, let the weak say, I will be strong one day. But that's how we speak. Are you, how many people are rich here and really wealthy? So about, I'll ask you again. It's not a trick question. How many people are incredibly wealthy? So about half. All right, so I'll tell you again. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And so when you become that father of many nations, I will change your name to be father of many nations. No, he said, I'm going to change your name. And if you begin to decree what I have done, even though you can't see it, you will become what I've made you. You see, with God, there is no time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't look ahead and say one day. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, I am, I am. And so that's part of our problem. We keep putting off the promises. We, we say, I will say it when I see it. That's not how the kingdom works. Now, I'm sorry if it offends your natural senses, but let me remind you, the moment you got born again, you stepped into a supernatural kingdom with different laws and ways of doing life. And our way is we are men and women of faith. We call those things that be not as though they are. And so I say to my children, I am rich. I am rich. How rich are you, Dad? I am rich. It doesn't mean I'm going to give you everything. Or even though I can afford to give you everything now, but I am rich. I am really rich. I am blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says that I am blessed. And I will stand on that word because I am building a belief system. So it's, it's as silly as you saying, well, 
How can you say to a seed that you're an apple tree? You're not an apple tree, you're a seed. No, that seed is an apple tree. It has inside that seed all the DNA that it needs to be an apple seed. It just needs nurturing and time. And that's all you need. You need nurturing and time. So don't allow anyone to say you're not an apple tree. You are an apple tree. You have the DNA of God in you today. You are blessed, rich, prosperous. All the things that God says... And I'm here to remind you of who is inside you. So I'll ask you again, how many people here are rich? That's better. So that tree, that that seed becomes planted in the field. It then becomes a tree of belief. First, the blade, it says, Mark 4, 28. It produces a belief. Whatever you want in life, Whatever you want produced in life has to be produced in the heart as a form of belief. So if you look at your world, good and bad, everything that you have in your life is a result of a tree, a seed that you've planted that's become a belief. That's what it is. And so you see the fruit and you go, oh, how did that fruit turn up in my life? I'll tell you how it turned up. It began as a seed. And somehow or not, it was nurtured through worry, fear. This is on the negative, but it, the inverse is true as well. And it became a tree that you are now picking the rewards of that tree called fruit. Fruit of the spirit, fruit of the flesh. So everything you've got, and, and so that's the problem for us because we want to blame somebody. We want to blame God. We want to blame the environment, our education, our past, our mum, our dad. Our children, they're good to blame because they can't fight back. We want to blame somebody, but the truth is, it's your garden, it's your field. And you know what? There's only one person that can sow seeds in your garden. It's you. Now, I know when you're a little kid, someone sows seeds, but there comes a time where you take over as being the farmer of your world. Maybe it's in line with what the Jews believed at the age of 12, the bar mitzvah. You, you take over the sowing of seeds in your life. You, become, you get the chance to dig up what you didn't like and put in what you now like. And if you don't like the trees that have grown, guess what? God's given you a chainsaw, some petrol, whatever it is that you need, you can dig it out. It's called, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can dig it out and begin again. It's never too late to have a prosperous life. So whatever belief that is produced in your heart will be reproduced in your life. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And this is the fun part. So we've put a seed in the ground. We've nurtured it. It's grown the blade. Then we see the head and the full corn of the head. Then it's harvest time. Mark 4, 29 tells us they put in the sickle for the harvest has come. How many people are looking forward to the harvest? Well, it depends on what sort of harvest. I'm looking forward to good harvest. I've been planting seeds in my world and I can feel my belief system has changed. So if you'd have asked me 20 years ago or maybe 30, what was your belief system like for prosperity and blessing? I'd say... Maybe it was a two. I've always been a giver since a little kid. I love giving. But my, my problem was I had some bad thoughts. 
I'd grown up in church, and I, I'm not blaming church, but the environment that I had wasn't conducive to thinking like God. In fact, it was discouraged. So I've begun to rebuild my mind, and I can feel that I have a different belief system. I actually feel comfortable around people that are wealthy and think big. I actually enjoy it. Now, if you asked me that 30 years ago, I would have been intimidated. I would have shied away. I would have walked away. But in fact, it's my world because I've built seeds in my life and trees are growing and harvest is coming. Verse 32 of Mark 4, we're almost finished. It says, when the mustard seed is, grows up, it becomes larger than all the plants in the garden. What's growing in you is going to dominate this city. The belief systems that are growing in my life are superior to every other belief system. And all the garden, it's larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches that all the birds of the air will tabernacle in its shade. I've told you this before, but this is how it works. This is the exciting part. When I plant a seed in my heart, and if I nurture that seed and decree it, meditate on it, what happens to that seed? It becomes, so a trick question, it becomes a tree. The more I nurture it and grow it, 30, 60, 100 fold ground, what's that? That's my mind becoming bigger and bigger. More and more vessels, that tree becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it has what? Branches. And in those branches, birds come and sit in those branches. And they nest in the shade or the boundaries of the tree. The wider the tree, the bigger the shade, the bigger the perimeter, the more the birds. You want lots of birds in your trees. Because the Bible tells us that the birds, both in Mark 4, but many other places in the Bible, are pictures of spirit beings, both evil and good. And this is how it works. You need to know. If you will build a belief system, let's just talk again about money. Say you build a belief system of prosperity in your life, it will grow into a tree. And what happens? It invites all the angels in the street to nest in your belief system. And what, what attracts favor and blessing are the angelic realm. If you have no birds in your tree, you have no access to the favor that's rightfully yours. And so the more you build this tree, this belief system, those angels come because the Bible says they perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. In other words, they are attracted to that tree in your world, that godly belief system, and they obey godly belief systems. They are disempowered when negative belief systems arise. So if you have a belief system of poverty and sickness and, and God not loving you, those birds will not be attracted to that tree. But the Bible says that there will be other birds that will come and you'll open up a door for the enemy to rule and reign. Whatever belief system you establish determines what you attract. So you need to be conscious like, was it Peter? He walked down the road and his shadow. What's it say? His shadow would heal the sick. See, I'm convinced he built in his world a belief system of healing. And the more it, was, the more it grew in his life, the more the shadow 
would begin to affect people. And as he walked, the angels walked with him because they had something to sit in called a belief system. And they began to work. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. For out of your heart springs up. What else springs up? A fountain, but also seeds. Out of your heart springs up the boundaries of your life. And that's what's taking place. So if I can build a godly belief system, it will invite heaven. So when we say, your will be done, your, your kingdom come, what's that mean? Does it mean we just, your kingdom come? What does it come into? What does it sit on? It sits on godly belief systems. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means I have to think like God thinks. I need to develop godly belief systems. So if you will concentrate on sowing right seeds, nurturing those seeds, I want you now to begin to imagine those seeds, if you continue to nurture. See, it's incorruptible. Here's a 100% guarantee. I stake, I don't need to stake my life. The Bible, God stakes his name on it. He's elevated his word above his name. He says, you can go to bank with this. He says that not one word of God will return void. Yeah. Yeah. Just put it in your heart and it'll grow a belief system and it will attract all the favor of heaven. And that's how you get shalom, shalom. The angels do the work for you. It says in Mark 4 that the man goes to sleep and he wakes up and he says, Oh my, look how big my tree is now. But he says. And he puts in the sickle for the harvesters come. This is what Isaac did. He was a meditator. He was a dreamer. And it says that he sowed in the land of famine and he reaped a hundredfold. You can't reap a hundredfold in the land of famine Unless something supernatural is taking place in your world. He has the help of angels. Jacob had the help of angels. And it's real. I know we don't think like this, but you need to start thinking like this. The bigger my belief system, the more I attract angels. The more I attract angels, the more they work on my behalf. We don't recognize angels, but guess what? They're in the Bible. Did you hear that? Yeah. I know it's offensive to many Christians, but they, they haven't ceased to exist and they still do his bidding. They still work. They work with Joshua. In fact, God killed more enemies through angels than he killed through Joshua and his people. He did more work through what we can't see than what we can see. And you will never get the job done and bring glory to God unless you access this realm. So people say, it couldn't have been you. It must have been him. And that's what I want. Don't you want that? So we look at that prosperity equation and we say, okay, God, I'm going to build the multiplication mindset. I'm going to get rid of the manner mindset. I don't want just enough because, Lord, there's so much to do. See, this is not selfishness. This is saying, God, I want to be a channel of your favor and I can't do it with seven out of a hundred. I need 30, 60, 100 fold. I tell people, dream big. Never be embarrassed about having lots of money. Never be embarrassed about having gifts to heal, to bless. Believe for big things. This world needs believers that have developed belief systems. 
Because you know what? It's not just about you, but other people will nest under your shade. And I want that. I want my tree to go all over this city. Don't you? That's why I hold this city in my arms. Why? Because my tree, I want it to impact people. And I'm only beginning. I'm, there's so much that I need to change in my mind. But I'm on a journey. And I want to encourage you, embrace that journey. Cultivate the belief system. Amen? Amen. So I ask you again to put your hands, your hands on your head. And we're going to pray a prayer. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for an increase of the mind of Christ within us. We thank you for the sevenfold spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom and counsel, of might, all those gifts that you've got that are unlocked as we access the seed of the word of God. And we pray this day, Lord, that you would partner with us in planting seeds. And I pray for your people that as they plant seeds this week that they would remember this message, that they would know by faith that something is building in their world. I speak strong belief systems over every person in every area of your life, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in your health, every aspect, whatever you need, there is a seed. And so I speak now strong, godly belief systems. I pull down every lie of the evil one, every, every twisted thought, and I say, receive the word of the Lord that is able to save your soul. Restore it. Make it strong. And I say to you, it's not too late. It's not too late. And God is able to restore everything that the locusts has consumed. He may have taken your harvest. He may have got into your ground. But God says, so again, so again, so again. And I thank you, Lord, that as they sow today, that there is going to be a great harvest. We invite all the angelic hosts to come and inhabit the boundaries of our life, the trees, the belief systems. Father, let your name be glorified through what you do. Let there be a mighty harvest that takes place in your people. In Jesus' name, just while every eye is closed, I want to give people an opportunity today. If, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, you can do that today. He is He's what it's all about. His seed in our life, His nature in our life changes everything. And the Bible says that if we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. He will forgive you of your sin. His life will come into you. He will make all things new. He is the source of our life. He loves you. He died for you. And He's calling you right now. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. If you want to invite him into your life, just quickly raise your hand. Is there anyone today? Say, yeah, I need to receive him. Okay. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you've done. Let your word just resonate in our hearts all week.